1: Who's
2: on? Is that? That's
0: the second time it's gone on. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Does does survive?
2: That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, oh, you can laugh. It the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You well, don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah. you if you want a like just to stay alive for six months, I'd say
1: it to your face, not say it to, you, say it oh, well, to you now. I am down to Anfield and we'll see you mm-hmm.
2: them, won't like What you're doing down here, you show me, <laughs> man.
0: There are so many adorable things about the image of Wayne Rooney spending his Manchester United career wearing Everton pyjamas to bed that I just do not know where to start Monday's Second Captains Football Podcast. Hi, Ken.
2: Hi, Owen. How are you?
0: OK, let's start with... Wayne Rooney wears pajamas. <laughs> what grown man wears pajamas in 2017?
2: Oh uh, well. I'm, do you wear on. pajamas? Do I wear pajamas? Maybe if you broaden the question out a little bit, do I wear loose-fitting clothes with an elasticated no. waistband at home? No. Yes.
0: Crappy old sweatpants are not pajamas. We're talking about Everton-emblazoned and PJs, Ken. Old school. Well, these top
2: bottoms. Well, well, if he's playing with the kids, you know, maybe, uh, maybe if if the kids are all wearing pajamas. And then their dad is wearing pajamas. I mean, to be honest, I can't remember that ever happening in my own life. But maybe it's easier to get them into their pajamas if you too are leading by example. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. But but you know, in terms of Everton loungewear, that wouldn't surprise me at all. No. I don't well, know. I mean, if he changes straight into it, I don't know if he even. I mean, if if you're a footballer train, I mean, usually you just turn up in a tracksuit, right? I mean, why why bother putting on anything else? Well, I mean I suppose you might you're- turn up in
0: an Everton tracksuit to Man United training.
2: I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is a is more of a pressure to, to sort of dress up. You know, you're at Manchester United, Pogba's there. You know, if you just turn up in a tracksuit, are people going to, will you become the victim of banter? I don't know.
0: I like the bit of subterfuge, though. Okay, I'm going to join one of the biggest teams in the world. I'll win the Champions League and a ton of Premier League titles, make loads of money, become the club's record goal scorer. I'm still an Everton fan, though. Yeah. Still an Everton
2: fan. Well, they're all Everton fans, aren't they? Apart from Jamie Carragher, he switched.
0: I mean, they're all, all, all what,
2: all who? Uh, all the great footballers from Liverpool.
0: Are, are Everton fans? <laughs> you
2: know, um, Rooney obviously. Uh, a bunch of the Everton. I mean, I'm not sure. Were there Everton players who are actually Liverpool fans? I'm sure there There's are plenty. But the other way might be Fowler, well. Fowler, Carragher, Owen, McManaman, all Everton fans. Um, Gerrard obviously was in that Everton shirt, but just. You know, it seems he might have been stitched up by his uncle. Um, uh, Rooney, I don't think there's ever been any any doubt about.
0: It's a pretty hardcore love of football, though. That's the biggest. That's my biggest takeaway from this. We spend most of our time hearing about how football is just a business, quite a nasty one at that. It's nice to hear one of the sport's biggest names still has a enough of a childlike love of the game game that he wears Everton pyjamas to bed.
2: Yeah, well, he, yeah, but uh, I mean, on the one hand, wears Everton pyjamas; on the other, left Everton. <laughs> in in two thousand four two thousand four I guess I mean what if he'd allowed himself to stay at Everton to indulge his his passion for the club instead of allowing himself to be controlled by money
0: that would have been interesting if he'd stayed at Everton all along
2: well it would have been he probably wouldn't have ended up winning the Champions League no. or the Europe maybe the Europa League you know
0: yeah I would say if Wayne Rooney'd really stayed at Everton he would definitely have won the Europa League winner
2: could well have yep. could well have done it I mean the whole history of the club would have been different. Um, but instead it was a more of a conventional story where the player joins a richer club and plays the best years of his career there. I mean, it's a, it reminds me a little bit of, of Robbie Fowler. I mean, Robbie Fowler went back to Liverpool, but that was maybe a little bit... That was different anyway. I think he probably would have stayed if they hadn't wanted him to leave, mm-hmm. and then, he was, then his problem getting back was, I'm not good enough to get back. Owen was trying to get back as well, and, and they wouldn't have him back. <laughs> Um, whereas with Rooney it's more it's more of a push factor it's like okay I could stay here but I'm not going to play you know there's no way I'm going to play I mean Jose Mourinho has a statement out talking about how amazing he is You know, but this is a guy who was leaving him out for most of the season so
0: he talked about how amazing he was at the start of his tenure how, at the start of his time at Manchester United how amazing So as in Jose Mourinho at the start of his time at Manchester United talked about how great Wayne Rooney was now he talks about how great he is as he's leaving didn't play him an awful lot in between times certainly didn't make him a his linchpin.
2: no the statement is kind of like the Everton pyjamas equivalent from Jose Mourinho (laughs) it's like you know what an amazing player I'm going to be really this club isn't going to be the same without him anyway cheerio yeah so that's come on uh, in Lukaku we'll
0: get into that in a little more detail after I issue you with your weekly invite to come and join the rest of us on the world service the only place to go if you want to hear the most important issues facing the world in 2017 debated robustly here's Ken and author Angela Nagel on the latest political podcast
2: people share pictures of their children a lot online Mm. and i can absolutely see why they do that their children are they think their children are beautiful yeah and seeing pictures makes them happy and they want to make other people happy. So there's nothing There's nothing bad about that. No,
1: I love that. I'm very defensive of that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I, it I really think... annoys me. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's
1: sweet. Yeah,
2: no, it's I I find it. It's it's sweet, yeah, but like, you know, you can only eat a certain amount of sugar before you start to get sure, sick. Sure, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Maybe I,
1: not enough of my friends have had kids. It's rare enough still that it's like a, a novelty.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, wait, wait. Just wait. a, little, <laughs> a
1: little couple of years.
2: But like... Um, but it seems as though like the, the system of kind of manners, like in the sense that I'm not going to do that. You know, that's a bit oh. like you wouldn't fart in a crowded room, you know, audibly if you could avoid it. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, we, we everybody knows that, but people don't yet know that sharing pictures of your children online. It's not that different, really. If you'd like to hear any other
0: bodily functions that posting pictures of your kids online can be compared to, all it costs is five euro a month plus fat. Can't say fairer than that. Please check out the details of how to join up on secondcaptains.com right now, Ken a little bit of sport,
2: won't you? So yeah, that was uh, that's Rooney. I mean, I, I've no doubt that Rooney does genuinely love Everton. He grew up with the club. He, you know, he he was a fan since the earliest days that he can remember in the world. Um, which is, I suppose, a bit different from Romelu Lukaku, the man who has apparently grown up a Chelsea fan, idolising Didier Drogba. But once again, a little bit like Rooney, he's gone to a club he doesn't support. Uh, because, pff, well, it, they just offered a better deal. Um, uh, Lukaku seemed to be annoying Everton fans a little bit by how little uh, he already seemed to have forgotten the People's Club. Uh, and perhaps um, stung by some of the flack that was coming his way on social media, he posted a heartfelt tribute to himself on his Instagram, <laughs> uh, which, uh, <laughs> which is... Uh, Can we play a little bit of the audio? He uses at least uh, a wonderful Everton song, and we'll hear a little of it now.
0: You're nodding your head. I'm humming along Ken. I like that tune. Yeah. It's a good tune, isn't it? It's
2: very easy Lukaku, a huge Happy fan to. of that tune. Uh, Miguel Delaney, a huge fan of that tune. Really? Yeah, sings it all the time. <laughs> in, <laughs> in real life? In real life. He has a constant earworm of that Everton song.
0: <laughs> I, f- I fear I do now as well.
2: Yeah. no, once you've heard it a couple of times, I mean, it's th- that is a difficult one to dislodge from your brain. It lays its eggs in there. I dare uh, you to
0: hit that 15 second or 30 second back button on your podcast listen again play a game of chicken with that song and see if you can listen to it more than once and not have it in your head all day he
2: um, he he accompanied the the song with a bunch of still photographs of himself in a to be honest it wasn't a great deal I've ever put into this it was a it was one of the worst produced um, memes I've seen in the last couple of years you know it would be it was GeoCities level you know (laughs) It was, it was uh, crazy bad. Um, but at least the photos were of Romelu Lukaku, unlike the photo on the back of today's Evening Herald.
0: What, 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 did, the, what did the Herald go for?
2: Well, Evening Herald uh, have got uh, a headline, which is about Lukaku. It says, Lukaku is ready for work. And a picture of a man staring intently, a man in a, in a Majesty United Adidas top, staring in a, in a sort of business-like manner. At the camera. But the man isn't Romelu Lukaku. (laughs) Oh, no. The man is Stormzy. Oh, no. The uh, very famous, although possibly not to the... um, Whoever was laying out the back page of the Evening Herald, um, Grime superstar. I thought, how did this happen? Did they have to actually Photoshop a picture of Stormzy wearing a Man United top? How did this happen? It turns out Stormzy is a Man United fan. Uh, even though he's from London, of course, he's got a bit of stick about it, you know, being a glory hunter and all that. Because <laughs> uh, he would have been like six when they won the treble. Um, but uh, he's actually got his own kit deal with Adidas. So uh, so the the picture appears to come from an Adidas event last year when Stormzy was up, uh, like hanging out with David Beckham, another, another l- London-based United Legends. United United Legends. Legends. Yeah, United. Cockney Red. Island, yeah. So... Um, so, somehow or other, <laughs> it's ended up there. Um, Storm, is he
0: unlikely to run the channels quite as effectively as Lukaku? Uh,
2: no. He, uh, I read an interview with him from the Adidas event. Uh, he said he wasn't really very good at football. His interests lay in other areas. He did enjoy the game. He loved Manchester United. And it was just great to hang out with David Beckham. I was saying to him, Hey, Bex, like, what are you doing after this? And he was like, just picking up the kids. So, uh, He's so normal. He said, "Oh, he just picks up his kids like other people." So, uh,
0: as long as he doesn't post pictures on Facebook.
2: Yeah, but I mean, the, you know, just back to Lukaku's poor effort at like giving this, this um, you know goodbye to Everton. I mean, he he also, he also wrote a message. You know, I want to say a big thank you to all the people involved at at Everton. I want to thank the fans for your support through the four years we spent together. You guys helped me through my games. I can proudly say it was an honor to play in front of you. He's totally founding this in. To the staff at the stadium and training ground, thank you for making me feel at home from the first day I walked in. To my teammates, it was great to play with you guys. To technical staff, thank you for helping me become a better player. Working with you guys has been a pleasure. I'll take your advice throughout the rest of my career. Thank you, Everton Football Club. 100 emoji.
0: Well, that's normal. That's pretty standard stuff. It's kind of long, long, line. No. said about Man United. Yeah, but, you know.
2: Once again, I'd advise Lukaku. You know who he can learn a lot from in his new club? Conor kn- McGregor, kn- no? Well, Conor McGregor, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Conor McGregor, for sure has a lot to teach everybody. I think he has a private jet deal at the moment, though. Who McGregor? Well, it, it it appears. I mean, he you know he's 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 commencing his world tour with Floyd Mayweather this week. Yeah, and he was posting photos of himself in a private jet. You know, like come on, private jet. Like, a lot of dates are doing. Are we, daily are we press in the US. But then he then there's a photo of him with Dana White at like the the uh, airfield in in uh, wherever they are, wherever they've landed. To and Dana's you know oh he's he, I'm, my plane arrives and Dana's plane arrives. But they've also got the name of the private jet company in the tweet. So I'm thinking, mm, you know, if you are going to do a world tour, then I suppose a private jet sponsorship is a is a you know logical thing to to bring in. Um, but no, the the person... I mean, clearly Lukaku can learn a great deal from Conor McGregor. But I think the person he really needs to be looking at, who you can learn from firsthand every day, is that man, Ander Herrera. <laughs> Ander Herrera, who was so overcome with emotion when Wayne Rooney left Manchester United that he wrote something on Twitter, one day, at Wayne Rooney, I will be able to tell my grandchildren that I played with you. Uh, that's more like it. You know that. <laughs> That's real, that's real emotion. Not like, thank you for helping me become a better player. Best wishes, you know, Romelu Lukaku. Um, so he's, he's at Manchester United now, and he can learn uh, from the master. Um, as to whether he'll be a good signing, uh, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, he's a different sort of player from, different sort of centre-forward from a lot of previous Manchester United centre-forwards. A player who's better on the counter-attack, you know. A player who you can imagine is better when his when most of the players are in his half, and then he breaks through into space, swats a defender, and smacks the ball in. I mean, he's quite he's quite versatile. One thing about him is that I was just I just happened to notice. Say Rooney, uh, Rooney scored two hundred and fifty three goals, of which eighty percent were with his right foot, and roughly equal numbers with his head and left foot. With Lukaku, it's so Rooney had an eighty ten ten split in terms of right foot, uh, left foot head. With Lukaku, it's 50-25-25. Oh, perfect. Which is fairly, uh, which goes to show the kind of, uh, I guess, ambidextrous tendencies he's got. Um, but we will, we we're, we need to see what what Jose Mourinho actually has in mind. I mean, if it's a straight replacement for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, him, clearly he's a different type of player. He doesn't have, have Zlatan's touch. He doesn't have all the angles that Zlatan has in his game. He does have a great turn of speed, which Zlatan didn't have, certainly by the time he arrived at Manchester United. And he is a better player, you can imagine, on the attack than Zlatan was. Um, but whether he's going to be used as a lone striker remains to be seen. Because Jose Mourinho has been known to play two strikers before. I mean, he, he in a diamond system. So 4-4-2 diamond, which he has used before at Porto, at Chelsea, at Inter. Uh, and I'm wondering if you might be looking at doing that again, uh, doing that this season because of the nature of how they failed last season in the Premier League, um, being unable to beat all the teams that they're supposed to get a three. You know, all the three point bankers at home they drew, mm. pretty much all of them, uh, which is obviously you now it's, it's catastrophic. You know, to do that again will be a disaster. Are they going to try the same system or are they going to maybe try and use two strikers? If they do, then they could use Rashford as well. If they don't, then you wonder how Rashford's gonna get on this season.
0: Lukaku and Rashford is a rather mobile strike force. I like yeah. the sound of that.
2: Yeah, it is, absolutely. Um so that's why I wonder if maybe that, that that diamond could could be a thing. But you know, they're also talking about signing Ivan Perisic, um, the the interim managers and talking about that. Um and, you know, he's, he's kind of a winger. If they're signing a player like that, then it suggests you, you don't sign wingers if you're going to be playing a diamond. I mean, okay, you'd like to have all these players available in the squad so you can play whatever system you want. But to spend a lot of money on a winger, I mean, they're talking about 40 million, is, is that even a lot of money? You know, it, it is still a lot of money. Uh, Isn't the Lukaku money a lot of money? It is. £90
0: million. Pounds. I, with this, uh, just Honestly, when I saw the deal going through, I thought, yeah, 90 million, £75 million, £50 million add-ons. It's just, every once in a while, I do start thinking, this is absolutely crazy. The mm. amount of money sloshing around in this sport, particularly in the Premier League, is nuts. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, this isn't a great revelation, Ken. It's yeah. the middle of the summer. I'm not telling people anything they don't know. Wow, it's these just,
2: transfer fees really are crazy. It's the
0: same time every now and again. It's happened two or three times. I see Trump sitting there at the G20 summit or wherever it might be and go, oh my God, Donald Trump is the president of America. You know, sometimes you just have these yeah. flashes where Little you've, moments. you've forgotten the reality and then the reality hits you. That does happen the odd time to me when it comes to these yeah. transfer fees.
2: I mean, with the, with the case, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine about this. He was saying, well, it's not actually that much. If you think about it in terms of the revenue of the club, um, what's Manchester United's revenue now approaching? I mean, is it 600 million pounds? was it over 600 million pounds or six, over, over 600 million euros? I don't actually have the figure in front of me. But as a percentage of that, you know, it's less than, uh, you know, it's what is it, about one-eighth, one-seventh of, of revenue? Um, so if you take it back to, say, 2003, Manchester United's revenue was much lower. And so Rio Ferdinand, say, when they signed him, 2002 that was, for 30 million pounds, it was a much, it was a larger proportion of the club's revenue in fact relative to the amount of money manchester were making at that time rio ferdinand was a more expensive player than lukaku is now so in that sense maybe the um maybe it's still proportional staying in proportion i mean the, the fees seem to be are ratcheting up crazily but so is the income for now of these clubs um but if you look at it if you take a different com- point of comparison, which is to say, compare it to, okay, some, what's the world record for a signing? The world record is, is Paul Pogba, which was, you know, just a, a few million pounds more than the Lukaku deal. Well, ultimately, Lukaku's going to cost 90 million to Manchester United. And Pogba was just a fractionally more expensive than that. So, it, it's a, whereas Ferdinand was 30 million, at that time the world record was 47 million, which is in to that. So, you know, it's closer to the the sort of top yeah. amount that anyone's ever paid for a player. Um, hard to know. You would have thought maybe with so much money involved, they could have done a better job in that video. Um, The the Goodbye Everton video. It wasn't a video. It's just a collection of stills. Um, Because this is an area of the game where we've seen, uh, you know, rapid evolution. Uh, Actually, it's happening at a terrifying pace. This summer, especially. It's like as the clubs have become richer and they're uh, front office is the front office is the business part of the club, right? The front office has be, has become bigger and bigger, and um, which means there's lots of content creatives in there who need to find some reason to justify their, you know, wage bill. Uh, they these guys weren't employed by, you know, the old school football clubs. You didn't have too many con- content creatives. Uh, when you got the likes of Tommy Tommy at of Manchester United, and you and you wonder what Tommy Doherty would have done to a content creative if they had uh, had one at Manchester United at that time.
0: Big Ron Atkinson was his own content creative.
2: He was. He he, he understood branding. Yeah. He was Conor McGregor before. He, if you, to to younger listeners, Ron Atkinson was a sort of Conor McGregor figure. Uh, a similar love of furs and chunky jewellery. Uh, Loves
0: conducting an L business meeting in a sunbed.
2: The Ron, <laughs> Ron Atkinson apparently. Back in the 80s. Um, but no, what's what's happened is that uh, the clubs, rather than simply putting out a boring press release saying uh, X club is happy to confirm that Y player has signed or has, has concluded a deal, blah, blah, blah. Uh, instead, they now put out a, a sort of viral video or like concept shareable um, piece of content in, in which, you know, Villa did this in the form of like a WhatsApp conversation. You, you Press play, and then it's like this WhatsApp conversation. Doctor Tony Chad and Steve Bruce are chatting away on WhatsApp about like, "Oh, we think we've got the signing." And then John Terry comes into to the chat, and he's like, "Oh, hey guys!" And Gabby Agbonlahor is like, "Wow, John, you're amazing!" and All this kind of stuff. Uh, Chelsea did one as well for Antonio Rudiger. We we we'll just hear the audio of this, but you, just to, just to explain that the setup it's a it's a, a father and son who've gone into the Chelsea store to buy a Chelsea shirt for the new season in, in the time-honored ritual of supporting your club. And uh, you can hear uh, the conversation that they have.
1: Right, son, what name do you want on the back then?
2: I want Rudiger.
1: You know you can't have the name of someone who hasn't actually signed yet. So what about like David Luiz or Hazard? You, you like Hazard, don't you? Dad,
0: I want Rudiger. Mm. Let's see what I can do. Excuse me. Is it all right if this fan puts your name on the back of his shirt?
1: No problem. I'm a Chelsea player now.
0: <laughs> Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Uh,
2: Thanks, Dad. So, so he gets his shirt with Rudiger on the back. Now, the weird thing about the ad is that, obviously, it's, you, can, you can imagine they're at the counter, and there's the, the girl is standing behind the counter and, uh, you know, going to put the name on and accept payment, I suppose, for the shirt. But when, she, when the kid is insisting that he wants Rudiger, she kind of, she says, okay. And what she does is she turns around and opens what appears to be like a broom cupboard. Mm. And for some reason, Rudiger's in there with his back to the door with sort of underneath a searchlight. Uh, and he turns around really slowly and kind of stares at the camera <laughs> with this weird glassy-eyed look that reminded me a bit of Sigourney Weaver in Ghost, Ghostbusters, you know, I am Zool, <laughs> I am Rudiger. And uh, and this is apparently quite normal for, for Chelsea's, Chelsea's uh, megastore or whatever. This is just the scene that they filmed. So everybody has to do this now. It's just another way in which life has got worse. Uh, and the... <laughs> The uh, cl- all the players. It's not just. I mean, you saw. Did you see John Terry's video? His singing. No. Oh Christ, John Terry. Oh no. Singing "Stand By Me" in like the villa canteen. Oh, is like his initiation song. Is that the idea? Yeah, and he sings "Stand By Me," and he loves himself so much. You can just see. You can see, see if you want to see an epic display of self-love. Can he hold a note? Ah, not really. I mean, but not disgraceful. But he, or, yeah. he sings enthusiastically. You know, I mean, he puts he puts a bit of. Umph into it, you know what I mean. Which is really, that's more than half the battle, surely. But um everybody has to do these things. You can't just announce the signing. Uh, so I'm wondering what what is going to happen when Gl- uh, Glenn Whelan joins Aston Villa.
0: Well, Glenn Whelan's on the way to Villa.
2: Well, Villa are sniffing around Glenn Whelan now. Uh, Villa are on the hunt with Glenn Whelan in their sights. He is. uh, uh He's got one year left on his contract to Stoke. Villa appears. It appears they're going to offer more. Mark Hughes has been on the record about this, saying yeah, there there is interest, but he's he seems to be saying Villa need to up their bid from half a million. But assuming they manage to do that deal, how are they going to announce this deal? I can see a video of Gabby (laughs) Agbonlahor into uh, the locker room, slings his stuff down on the ground, opens up his locker. Oh my God, it's a giant pig's head. What's going on? Oh, it's Glenn Whelan. Uh, Glenn Whelan famously was uh, framed. <laughs> or, or at least at least Glenn Whelan was believed by Kenwin Jones to have been the Stoke City player who placed a pig's head. And I mean, when I say pig's head, I don't, I don't know where they found a pig's head this enormous. Oh. We know that it was massive because Breck Shea, who was then at Stoke, tweeted a picture of it, of him holding it up. Um by the ears. Uh, an enormous severed pig's head. Oh, fo- and apparently football
0: this, banter is just the
2: worst. They balled up Kenwin they they got Kenwyn Johnson's clothes and wrapped the pig's head in it, basically oh, and dumped, dumped it in there, right? So, not cool. so Jonesy comes back in uh, from training or whatever, opens up the locker, right. tries to pull out his clothes, this massive pig's head rolls out. Uh, so irritated. He runs outside and smashes Glenn Whelan's windshield.
0: Poor Eric Glenn! What he decides it's Glenn Whelan's fault
2: (laughs) for some reason. Kevin Jones just assumed it was Glenn Whelan, and uh, he smashed his car windshield. uh, With the result that he ended up having to apologize. Uh, He says, uh, (laughs) "He said first off for all the people saying this had anything to do with racism, I'm not endorsing that because." Apparently, Jones's religious beliefs were such that the pig was like a was more even the pig's head on was even more taboo and unclean to Cameron Jones than it would have been to you. OK. And I can I'm, I can tell anyone listening that I wouldn't do this to Owen. I don't think that he'd react well if, no, if, we, if, if, few, if we put one in his gym bag or something. Very few to,
0: people would react well to that. I, would say. I think
2: he'd react very badly. Um, he said, secondly, I've apologized to Glenn Whelan for the destruction of his property. For all the people that think the pig's head wrapped in my clothes is banter, great. So's the broken window. As far as tension in the squad, there's none. Myself and Will have had our trash out. He said it wasn't him, so I apologize, and I'm paying for it. As to the person who did it, no one has come forward to apologise to me. So I guess the joke was good then. But as I said, if you have the belly to take banter to that level, be willing to accept the reaction. That's final. No more comments. So, not a happy man.
0: Trevor Brennan used to have an ongoing... Prank, prank off Ken with one of his French teammates I can't remember who exactly I remember this from his Irish Times it got to the level that apparently the French teammate had a father who was a builder so they went around in the middle of the night to Trevor Brennan's house and I think they built a wall in front of his front door so he couldn't get out <laughs> something quite extreme like that that's funny Yeah. yeah now, nobody's hurt there sure if there's a fire there's a serious issues there a lot of health and safety concerns.
2: Is that, is that funny, though? I mean, is that like not just throw your shoe over the pub it's only
0: funny. Okay, it's funnier than the pig's head. I mean, it's less disgusting
2: than the pig's I head. would rather the pig's head, to be honest. Than a wall outside your no, house? They, I would rather someone put a pig's head in my, in my clothes than built a wall blocking off my front door, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't want either, but if you're asking me to pick the least worst of those two options, the pig's head is kind of gross, but the wall will take longer to get rid of you know what i mean the 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 um yeah i think that's what i'd what i'd do I, I, freddie
0: mishlak again. that's who it was
2: oh freddie mishlak yeah. i remember him yeah
0: freddie started as a builder so freddie headed off into the night late into monday night in his car his boot filled up with ready-made cement concrete bricks and bags of dirt and rubble <laughs> he started off at about 2 a.m at uh oh at garba's house sorry not trevor brennan's house it's another trevor brennan recounted this tale but he wasn't the victim so uh, another teammate's house began building a wall. He'd reached about two layers of bricks, but because it was a foggy night, he began to think he had the wrong house and instead went next door where he built a five-foot wall. <laughs> so he ended up just, somebody woke up and there was a wall built outside, some random person. It was like the neighbor. The Neighbor had a five-foot wall built outside their house.
2: Oh, rugby japes.
0: Rugby japes, football, bans.
2: Um, so yeah, Robbie Keane apparently might be joining Atletico de Kolkata in the Indian uh Super League. Hmm. Teddy Sheringham is the manager. Thinks Robbie Keane could do a job. I think he might be right actually. I think Robbie Keane might be pretty good in the Indian Super League. Although apparently he's he is uh this is in the Irish Sun over the weekend. Apparently he's considering um offers from, you know, lower division English clubs. I mean come on it's a total no-brainer surely in terms of go to go to play in Calcutta. That would be that would be a much more interesting experience I would have thought than, you know, playing for Birmingham or, or whoever it is is interested in signing Robbie Keane. And, oh yeah. Yeah. You
0: might have, you've, you've had an interesting career moves up to now, Robbie. You might as well keep it going.
2: Get out there and, and uh, get out up there to Calcutta. Check back in with yous later.
0: So, Freddie Michalak wasn't finished, Ken. Oh, God. Next, Freddie had driven to Yannick Brew's house and painted Gobi, Yannick's nickname, in big writing all across the front wall of his house. He then drove on to Yannick Yozion's house and yanked up Yozion's car putting four cement blocks underneath. He drove onto to Elisal, Elisal's house and covered his car in muck and rubble. <laughs> I'm not sure what they all did to him to get him so wound up, but apparently like not a man to be messed with. That's it for today's Report
2: on Sport. Hairdryers is, is a metaphor for the current of hot, hot air generated by f- a furious blast of f- temper. <laughs>
0: The hairdryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated. He threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckham. I don't know, he threw a hairdryer at David Beckham. Uh, in the, is that right? No, 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 no. All right, let's talk a little bit about Everton's summer of success so far. James Corbett's ready to go. Hi, James, how are you? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Good to hear. Now, uh, Richard Keys has been one of the many people to be impressed by Everton's work so far. Loving Everton's business this summer. Here's an early call. They finish above Liverpool this season. Why do you think uh, Richard Keyes and others might believe this?
1: Well, I mean, they've, as you say, it's been a summer of success, but it's not really success until they, the season kicks off and they start playing games and then hopefully winning games. Um, you know, finishing ahead of Liverpool, I think mean, that's historically been Everton's um, problem. They've always measured themselves against their neighbours rather than the rest of the table. So I would, I would like to see an improvement next season on where they finished in uh, the 2016-17 season. And if that entails finishing above Liverpool, then so be it. That's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, they weren't that far off from finishing ahead of Liverpool last season. It, you know, it needs to be remembered as well.
2: It's a, it's a little bit like the situation reminds me a little bit of um, a couple of uh, Tottenham when they sold Garrett Bale and um, turned that money into a lot of players. Liverpool when they sold Luis Suarez, same thing. Everton have effectively done that, I suppose, with with Lukaku. I mean, they haven't finished yet. We don't know where they're gonna. End up, but you know, they sell uh, a big player for a lot of money and turn that money into a, a bunch of new players. It didn't work out well for Tottenham and Liverpool, though. What, what do you think is going to happen with these guys?
1: <laughs> if you remember correctly, Liverpool effectively replaced Luis Suarez with Ricky Lambert, didn't they? Um, which, which, wasn't, which wasn't great. I, I, I mean, Everton have bought these players, they, they've, they've come from sort of mid to lower table clubs in in the main, but they've been promising, you know they've been the standout players i say Burnley, uh the looking by uh, Guilty Sigurdson's obviously Swansea start there. Pickford, who was one of the few, or possibly the only, bright light for Southern last season. Whether they can, you know, kick on and move on who really knows? I mean, they're buying potential at the moment. Um, you know, it might take more than a season for them to settle down.
2: Um, yeah, But is the loss of Lukaku not, not a real sort of hammer blow to the team? I mean, I'm, I'm struck. I think this is quite an interesting transfer. When you look at the fans on either side of it, seem to be quite happy to be waving goodbye to the player who's joining the other club. And both team seem pretty happy to be signing the bear. so i mean everyone is happy with this deal in a way that usually doesn't usually happen who do you think is uh, who do you think has misjudged the situation
1: well I, i i i don't want to support a club or write about a club that is always selling its best players which which is what they've done yet again um i think i think some of the ambivalence about lukaku is um from Everton supporters anyway, is is down to the fact that he's never really done it in big games. And actually, I think if you took away his 26 league goals last season um, from Everton's goals for all column, it wouldn't have actually changed their place in the table because, you know, he had a tendency to score... Um, you know he scored a hat trick against Bournemouth, but they won 6-2 anyway. Um, you know, I and mean, he, he he scored a lot of goals late on, where they were already in winning positions. I don't think he's really covered himself in glory in terms of some of the semantics um, that have come out during his time at the club. He's been looking to move away for perhaps the last 15-18 months, which again is 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 you know, adds, adds, adds to this sort of sense of, of ambivalence about him leaving. At the same time, you know, they're bringing Rooney in, and obviously there's there's, there's, there's an element of fantasy football there because he's, he's the returning prodigal son. Uh, Everton obviously haven't seen the best of his career and won't see the best of his career, but the fact that he's an Evertonian and, um, you know, obviously... Still feels um, quite strongly about the club af- after the years away and despite the the messy departure. And I think I think mean, I mean, supporters of any club would buy into that. You know, this <laughs> know, this know, idea know. of a return. So,
2: Jose was was this was this not a guy who Alex Ferguson repeatedly left out of the team when Manchester United had to play at Goodison Park yes. because of how. Because he didn't think Rooney was able to handle the tailored abuse that was going to be coming his way from the home supporters. I mean, how can you just switch on and off that type of hatred? I mean, how is it possible that, you know, after, after all this time of abusing Rooney, he, now when he's not good enough to play for Manchester United anymore and comes back to Everton, he's absolutely welcome to open arms.
1: I mean, Ferguson left him out once, didn't he? And yeah, you're right. There was, there was a, there was an FA Cup, tonight, I think, I think the season after he'd left, where the atmosphere was particularly nasty against Rooney. Um, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, time softens, softens those wounds. And we're talking about football, you know, it's, it's, it's an irrational game. People have irrational feelings. Um, at the time, I think I mean a lot of the, the of the rhetoric from Rooney, and I mean, I've I've, I've been to you know press events and the football of the year dinner where Rooney's spoken, and it's quite interesting. He's he's I've, I've seen him two or three times, and he's always talked about Everton. Once once at the football of the year dinner about five years ago, Ferguson was actually sat next to him, and Rooney comes on stage and he starts talking about being an Evertonian and how the most important game of the season for him is going to see Everton um, played Man United, which was think won 3 one at the time, because it was his son's first ever game um, at Goodison. And Ferguson sat there next to him. So I think I think mean, I think I think Rooney's probably been building up to this for for, for several years and um, you know Evertonians have, have have generally softened softened their approach to him. There are there are a few who won't forgive him, but, you know, if he a last-minute winner against Liverpool, and I'm, I'm sure even they will change their tune.
0: Yeah, that's a big question. How many last-minute winners is he capable of now, and where does he fit into to this Everton team from a lot of the commentary around the move, aside from the romantic element to it? It seems, on practical terms, some people are, are kind of surprised that Koeman has gone for a player of Rooney's type. Do you see him fitting in?
1: Well Everton have signed veterans before and at times it's been inspired you look at Andy Gray who was meant to be finished and he he came in and he he really galvanized um, a team that you know a team full of potential that wasn't that was that was struggling um, him and Peter Reid as well and then there's been other 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 illustrious veterans like David Johnson and Paul Gascoigne who just hadn't done anything and really struggled uh, where will Rooney fit in? I think I think he's probably in better physical condition than than some of those players that I've mentioned. Um, if he's if he's if he's worked on his fitness and he's re-energized, then I think he could play um, an important role in, in in bringing those players on and maybe an important role on the pitch, maybe only in cameos. Um, who who can, who can who can possibly say? What effect is going to have? I I I I can't see him playing sort of 38 games next season. I think I think it'll be um, a bit part role. But one of the one of the ways that Everton have struggled um, over the past five or six years, I I felt since you know since Philip Neville's left, is that they've not had a strong captain. Um, they've lacked leadership on the pitch, and I think I think he will um, he will certainly bring that as well.
2: I wondered, um, James, if you think this really, are, are we seeing uh, the birth of a new Everton here? With the, they do have a new owner, Farhad Moshiri, um, you know, well, relatively new. I mean, he, he bought the club last year. He he does have a lot of money, and they have spent a lot of money. I think it's around, it's, it's coming up on £170 million since he took over the club. They obviously have sold John Stones and Romelu Lukaku, and that, I guess, covers a lot of that. Money? Do you do you see uh, Everton now as a team that is prepared to, um, you know, sort of sort of enter the the transfer rat race a bit more than they've been prepared to before, or has Mansuri effectively just been kind of treading water? I mean, everyone's been making more money from TV, and he's he's sold a couple of big players. So, is is he is he sort of balancing
1: the books, or is this a more ambitious Everton? I think it's more ambitious ever than I think. I think the most important things have happened at the club behind the scenes rather than in the transfer market. So, for instance, they brought in Steve Walsh from Leicester as their director of football. Steve Walsh, if you remember, was the guy responsible for bringing in Riyad Mahrez and Jamie Vardy, Nicola Kantem, all those players that helped Leicester win the league. And we've certainly seen a more professional approach to the way that um, players have been scouted and brought in um, off the pitch, we've also seen, you know, they're almost certainly going to move stadiums now to Bramley More Dock, which is which is just down from the Liver buildings. Um that's 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 something that's happened under Machir, and there's been four or five failed attempts to move stadium. Um and just 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 the general structure of the coaching staff and so on. They're moving to more of a um I suppose you could say like a a, a continental type approach where um the manager is less important than he might have been in the past. You know, they have that sort of coaching structure now that if Cooman was to leave tomorrow they could bring somebody in who would who would just be able to sort of take over and, and, and carry on that momentum. I mean, I think mean, I think mean that's quite important. At the same time they've They've really held on to their identity as, as as the so-called people's club, the self-style people's club of Liverpool. So they they have those very strong community links. When they move out to Goodison Park, they're going to um, gift it to the city of Liverpool as, um, as 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 a place where they can build social housing and a big community centre and so on. So they haven't lost sight of 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 who they are. What I think what I think the Rooney the Rooney signing does is that for a generation, or I mean, even a couple of generations of people who don't remember Everton winning trophies, it brings their, you know, it brings the club back to the front of their minds. And you know, it's 22 years since the last one won a trophy, so you know, realistically, you've got to be over the age of 30 to remember that. Um, but you know, the Premier League is such a global product now, and Everton have. A global player in terms of rooming um, up front for them.
0: Absolutely. James, great to talk to you. Thanks a million.
1: Okay, cheers. I knew the place. Clough, as he called me, Ravi, didn't know.
2: He said to me, what can you do that the boss hadn't done? You the boss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better.
0: But there's no way to win it better. Why there's not? Lo- no, 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 no. But that's the only hope I've we're, got. We do only
1: lo- lost four matches. But
2: that's well, that, I can that, only look straight. You can understand that, can't you?
1: Yes. Good luck. Clough, but he calls me Rabbi. Good luck.
2: Now that may that might be, you know, aiming for utopia, and it might be might mean being a little bit stupid. But that is the way I am. I'm a little bit stupid regarding this type of thing. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that. I want to be like me. So what do
0: you think, a big future for the People's Club? The People's Club, who now have a lot of money sloshing around the place and are willing to spend it. Yes. Uh, a very wealthy People's Club now.
2: Well, yeah, but everyone, everyone's wealthy, you know? In football, anyway. Uh, everyone is wealthy at the moment. Um, uh, for for now, people have, have got lots of money, and the problem for Everton is that they've got lots of money at the same time as everybody else. You know, it's this—it's this perennial problem of, say, you sell Lukaku, like we we were talking there about Bale and Suarez. You know, you sign, you sell players of that quality. You can't replace them. There are not players of that quality available. If there were, like, that Real Madrid or Barcelona would be buying those players. You know, um, so, and then because everybody knows you're rich, you end up having to overpay for all the players who come in. You know what I mean? Uh, all the other teams have got money at the same time as as Everton do, you know. It's like when Chelsea when when Chelsea were taken over by Roman Abramovich, none of the other teams had much money really. There 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 had been some problems, uh, you know, like the TV market in Germany collapsed. It was Kirsch had collapsed. ITV Digital had collapsed in England. So there was like a worry about like, oh, the economy isn't looking too good. The football economy look, you know looks like it may be screwed. Clubs were kind of cutting back on spending or being a little bit more cautious about the money that they threw around. And in the middle of that, Chelsea arrived with like a multi-billionaire owner.
0: Arsenal were in the midst of getting to the new stadium and all that. So yeah. they certainly weren't spending massive money.
2: And there weren't even any restrictions on on the amount of money that a that round could spend. So that was kind of the ideal. Yeah. Chelsea were able to absolutely dominate the transfer market in the, in the world transfer market for a couple of years whereas Everton are, who are now spending <laughs> in absolute terms quite similar sums <laughs> like yeah. there's a you know when Chelsea spent 100 million in 2003 it was like oh my god 100 million is insane and Everton have spent like 100 million this summer you know and uh, nobody's batting an well, eyelid I'm batting an eyelid as batting an well, no, you're batting I'm batting an eyelid at the sale Richard of Kays. Lukaku as opposed to yeah uh, so the there you purchases.
0: go uh, you mentioned earlier on you got me thinking about private jets Oh, yeah. I knew there was a story sloshing around in my head. The relationship between Tiger Woods and Ian Poulter has been soured by the latest remarkable extract from Hank Haney's book, oh The Big Miss, which claims that Woods disliked Poulter and accused him of trying to hitch a ride aboard his private jet. In a text to Haney, Tiger wrote, Can you believe this dick mooched a ride on my plane? <laughs> oh, not a very consequential story, but I, I liked it. Got to share it with
2: you. Oh, God. Um, well, I mean. That's oh, is it so bad giving someone a lift? on? Them? I suppose if you're Tiger somebody Woods, inviting you want to themselves, yourself. If somebody
0: you can't invite yourself onto some. You go and earn the big books, Poulter. I mean, you're only earning whatever ridiculous amount of money. Well, no, sorry, and Tiger, Tiger you're like, the
2: dick. You're actually the, yeah, you're 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 a dick, Tiger, and you're a dick because number one, you don't have the spine to tell Ian Poulter no, and then number two, you complain about it afterwards, so you're a dick twice over. Oh, I don't know if Poulter got on. I just said he tried to mooch it riding the plane oh tried oh, to oh he didn't oh I thought you said can you believe he did this dick mooch to ride I think on he tried plane. it I think
0: Tiger might have told him where to go and then texted. so that's okay so well, he at least to his face at least, at least that's, c-
2: that's consistent that's maybe more being an asshole <laughs> or whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he could go He's yeah. being, uh, right. yeah, okay. Right. Okay. thanks again
0: Thank you all. thanks very much for listening talk to you tomorrow if you're on the Royal Service bye now the is that that's
2: the second time it's gone off